Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your alternate Monday? It's a fantastic alternate Monday here in um, our LA office, or actually our Bloomington office. I only wish it was the LA office. <laughs> um, how is uh, um, Nevada treating you? That's where you're at this week, right? Nope. Uh, still, still Tennessee. Still Tennessee. Right. Yep. I know this whole new program you've got going on where you're in one spot for much longer is not as exciting as every week you're somewhere else in the world. Nope, nope. On the downside, uh, I've not traveled around much. Uh, last weekend, a little over a week ago, a little over, yeah, for Thanksgiving, a little over a week ago, I, um, a little under a week ago, whatever, it's not important, um, I drove about an hour from the campground to uh, my sister and brother-in-law's place. And I've been here for the week because my nieces are in a play tomorrow night. Um, I'm going to go see that. And then what's, what's the play? I, uh, um, Oh, Oh, it's now it's you don't either, even know. No, it's Terrible either uncle. Emma. <laughs> it's either Emma or sense and sensibility. Oh, cool. Uh, it's one of those, I think those are both um, uh, the same author whose name I'm blanking on. Um, anyway. Our yeah. our local uh, Cardinal Stage Company is doing Elf this year, and I'm considering seeing hmm. if we want to go. Sure, yeah. I know, I know that uh, Shelly really loves that, and her family are huge Elf fans. So maybe we'll yeah. go see that one. Uh, the, the upside, the story I was telling... Um, is that you're gonna say upside down yeah upside down the upside is that i have been playing a lot more board games um right yeah family right my sister and brother-in-law like games so uh we'll talk about those a little later probably um and yeah and we uh uh, we didn't kind of talk about talking this one year but i for for our, our regular listeners we we're uh behind the scenes been discussing some like doing a little bit different organization to our to our podcast and we'll have things later on that we we skip over not today but probably maybe next early next year or something we'll 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 do like dennis just did and skip over some some topics to not devolve and save them for sections like board game things because you've got a nice i guess several games you've played and i and i know i've seen uh some chatter but you guys played some yesterday too, so maybe we can get in our board game area later on. You can give us some some updates on that. Um, yeah, let's let's jump right in. Well, is there anything you know what I want to do? There's a couple of things I wanted to do first before we get into some of our, our fun topics. Um, I one is a little bit of news, so there's the you know good news, everyone. Um, mm-hmm. I was listening to some of the news today and reading a couple articles on this last week's. Um, movie, um, like theater going, uh, box office totals and analysis type stuff. And it, it sounds a little dry, okay. but it's worth getting your two cents on. Um, so it Hollywood theater movie going on Thanksgiving weekend is usually a pretty busy time. Holiday time is almost always a really big theater going money maker for theaters because people get bored with their families and and then they'll go or. You know, they'll all go at one time or something. And then the weekend is everybody's off and shopping and other things. But it was a very, 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 very terrible weekend 
for the movie theaters this last week. Um, so there's been some discussion as to why, and then it, people start doing analysis on the whole year and trends, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. And probably the biggest um, thing I've, I've kind of thematically pulled on the research from this, these different articles has been uh, the general sentiment, and, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, the general sentiment that um, it's becoming the, the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer type uh, okay. uh, environment with movies to, anymore in that uh, they were intentionally point, uh, picking out things like um, Wakanda Forever, where right. you have like large tentpole blockbuster movies come out and do billion-dollar business still. Which tells you, hey, the theater business is still successful, but then everything else comes out and makes nothing, um, unless it's a you know, for example, even and this isn't just all of them. I mean, just just the small independent things. Disney released um, this last week uh, their new uh, animated movie. I, I don't think it's Pixar, but it's like three D animated. It's um, called Strange World. And granted, this thing hardly got any marketing, but it made like $15 million. And I know it's made like, it cost them like $160 million to make. So even Disney isn't immune to this kind of problem. Um, and for the statistics goes that Wakanda Forever, when it, when it came out into theaters, nine out of 10 tickets went to Wakanda Forever. Not that it was like, a gangbuster huge week, you know, it made a trillion dollars in the first week and everything, but nine out of 10. And then all those dollars went to one company to one movie and only one other ticket out of 10 went to another movie. So the thought here is that uh, it, there's no incentive for, for movies to make or for companies to make movies for the theater anymore, unless they're these huge tentpole blockbusters. Do you think that's, you've been to some movies in the last year or two since the pandemic kind of been going. Do you feel that's sure. a, 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 an established trend? We, we, you can't just say it's pandemic time now. It's been a couple years post. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a big difference between trends and absolutes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so to say like all or every or whatever, yeah, sure. um, I do think uh, some of that is um, um, clouded by the lack of hard data in other um, medium. Like streaming? streaming. Specifically about streaming. Some streaming services publish some numbers, but there's no, as far as I know, no regulatory body yeah. um, reporting on those. Like That's the reason people talk about box office records and especially opening weekend box office because opening weekend differentiates you know your uh avengers endgame from you know avatar which uh cameron keeps releasing over and over Mm. to keep bumping up the total lifetime ticket sales and you know you have like uh gone with the wind right is adjusted for inflation like still the highest of all time because it was in theaters for like I don't know, years right. something. I don't know. I heard that anecdotally on another podcast, so I don't have any hard numbers on that either. But, um, right, so some of that is is like, how do we really know? Like, what kind of numbers did House of the Dragon pull versus uh, Rings of Power, where Rings of Power's budget was almost double um, 
what House of the Dragon did. Now, well, well you, HBO, you're, you seem to be comparing those as, as they're the same thing. Before, we never compared um, Seinfeld to a comedy that was on in the movie theaters. Yet you're comparing House of Dragon, a eight episode, like basically mini series, to it's a true. two hour I'm, show. I'm comparing series to movies, but I I think that line is becoming blurred. I, I agree. Um, That's kind of what I'm saying here. I, I, you know, I there, expand there used that. to be a clear a clear differentiator in in quality, and the quality before well the the differentiator in quality was across all spectrums right there were big big budget blockbuster movies and there were lower budget run-of-the-mill movies even before you get to um um indies independent films Mm -hmm. um but just in the tv space you had daytime soaps and you had primetime tv shows and you had stuff in between you know when they got to um you know the the evening sitcoms versus the longer dramas and that's just in tv shows you also in movies had you know at least two tiers of mainstream movies and then also made for tv movies what we used to call or yeah. direct to video um now the 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 comparative budget and quality of films versus some streaming series is not that different i i agree um, i think that that's that's probably that's a point so worth making i double. think i i am i agree that i'm muddying the waters by bringing tv shows into it so i've heard anecdotally and i think to a certain extent um i agree with this certain kinds of movie are not going to the theaters where they maybe used to maybe we would have 10 years ago um I'm talking about something like, uh, um, oh, uh, what did I just watch? Um, the Lost City, Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock. Okay. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. L- like, Sandra Bullock is not a made-for-TV movie actress. Correct. Correct. Um, her movies were in the theaters. Now, some of those were big theater movies like Speed and... I don't know. I'm sure I could think of one eventually, but a lot of them were movies. Miss Congeniality is a perfect example. Miss Congeniality, While You Were Sleeping, uh, The Proposal, any number of, you know, typical run-of-the-mill rom-coms that run the gamut from, you know, pretty schlocky to, you know, close to best in class by which i mean very good for being cheesy Mm -hmm, mm rom-coms um uh uh today while you were sleeping would be a streaming show it would it would be netflix or um amazon prime you know maybe uh the proposal because it had ryan reynolds maybe today would get a little more um uh, release, you know, a, a theatrical release or something like that. But with the with the attendance numbers down post COVID and post um, um, availability of streaming, uh, a lot of studios are going. Well, it costs this much to make, and we might make that back in theaters, but we'll get a better deal run through the streaming service. And again, we don't we don't really know what those streaming service numbers look like as clearly as. Um, as box office. So there's some of that happening. I think another thing that's happening is 
and again, I don't know that I 100% believe this, um, but streaming series and movies, uh, streaming movies, although I think series do better at it sometimes because writers have more runtime to play with, um, writers and directors, the films that go to the theaters tend to be more um, uh, made for the the greatest common denominator, yeah. right? Like the absolute, like they're looking at the middle of the bell curve and they want to hit just that. So they're not, they're not pushing, um, you know, they're not trying to reach uh, niche audiences on either end of whatever spectrum you're looking at. Yeah. Um, which can make the final product somewhat mediocre. I'm yeah. putting a lot of caveats in that statement. Um, but on the flip side of that, when I think back to all of the movies that I saw this past spring, we were talking about when uh, numbers happened and, and went like probably like April, May, June was when I was going to the theater the most. Um, and again, that could just be because I was going to the theater a lot, right? We looked at this number before the pandemic and the average um, the average American goes to the theater like twice a year um wow it's yeah and and so yeah obviously that's average right there are people who never go and there are people who go every week right so the average and so in the average then they're looking at like you know one marvel movie in the summer one star wars movie at christmas or the hobbit movies or whatever like the biggest big blockbusters of the year. So I was going a lot and I, I definitely saw some movies that were not mainstream mass market appeal. I'm thinking about, uh, um, unbearable weight of massive talent, mm, the Nicholas yeah. cage movie. Um, well, even everywhere, everything's every, nice. everything everywhere all at once is very niche. Mm-hmm. Even though I think anybody who likes Marvel movies should watch that. Yeah. Um, I mean, you said that Yeah. after, after multiverse of madness. Um, um, the Northman, same thing. Absolutely not a mass market appeal, um, <laughs> uh, movie. So those are still being made. Um, and I think sometimes if, if people are being smart business decisions, it comes down to that, uh, the thing we talked about years ago, um, is it a theater movie or isn't it? Right? Yeah, that, um, man, that's exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. I, I, I was preparing to talk with, with you about this with City, and I was like, I think we're going to talk about that. Is it a movie theater or not? Type of thing. <laughs> because like um, the Lost City, and and I don't know. It's I shouldn't be using that as an example because I don't know whether that got any kind of theatrical release. I think it was a Netflix. Okay, am I? Yep. Am I back? Yep. Okay, I don't know what happened, uh, but I'm not going to touch any settings because it's back. Okay. Um, I don't know if that movie got a theatrical release. I feel like it did, but it's kind of straddling the line, right? Where it's a it's a cheesy 
meta um um romance novel story yeah but with a lot of uh big uh fantastical not fantastical fantastic uh still not the right word whatever um a movie with a lot of visual spectacle um that could benefit from being seen in a theater um yeah everything everywhere as we both said like you can watch it at home and now that's your only option but it's definitely better in the theater less so for the visual spectacle and more for the captive audience factor yes we talked about that, the oh, that, um, that's, that's a big factor i think that i didn't think that have such a big weight except now that we move into the world of streaming that actually does have a big weight to things captive audience right and so i think you know who knows what the what the future holds for theaters um i think it's probably just gonna be something different right like yeah. we watched cinema paradiso a couple weeks ago and you know people used to watch everything in the theater because that was the only option um they saw the news in the theater then yeah. when people got oh, yeah. tvs and radios they right. stopped showing news in the theaters like right. you know maybe maybe it'll scale back maybe we'll get back to more like one and two screen um kind of art house theaters and fewer multiplexes because there just aren't i think you're right there isn't the volume to keep keep up keep that business model going when when i was sydney i were discussing and I, i i was i said that same thing with a bit a tinge of sadness in in my in my voice um, sure. To, to the idea that like maybe we've seen the the heyday of, of theaters. Not saying that theaters going away. That's not what I'm saying. I totally disbelieve that. Um, but I but I the the idea of I mean malls were really big, right? They're, the malls haven't gone away. You still have malls in cities, but mm-hmm. but they're not what they were. Like they were the center plate piece of a town type thing. You go there and they got bigger and and it just more and more malls. It's the same kind of. But with theaters, it was you know you had. Massive multi multi tiered multiplexes, and then they had individual uh, premium seating with you know rocking chair type recliners and uh, food at your table. Like they just kept getting more and more and more, right? And, and right. now I th- I think the way it's it's looking in the like in the three year trend here is that I think you're right. I think we'll we'll go end up probably scaling back because of this stuff. We'll still have theaters because that's where you can make your 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 literal literal billion dollars on Avengers Endgame or a Marvel movie or whatever it might be, like the big blockbusters. Mm-hmm. We'll still have that. Um Top Gun, for example. Um but I you're right. I think we'll we'll see like, you know, five screen places at most. Um and they'll right. just be more you know, I like how you said art house theater type stuff. And and you're right. And or they, and they only show like two. I mean, even though on on the discount theaters, you see they're only showing one or two shows. That's it. One or two movies. They don't have. You can't go yeah. there and pick from seven. You know. Right. And and, and that's I probably think, what will happen. Um, I think another thing we'll start to see happening is um the. Uh, like more of a focus on the experience. And I think that happened 50, 70 years ago mm-hmm. too, yeah. right? If you compare the theater and Cinema Paradiso where they're like people carrying in their own chairs and they're right. all, you know, stacked up on each other to where 
uh, you know, then they got stadium seating where the seats fold down and, you know, mm-hmm. then they got a little more padding in the chairs and they got the armrests that go up and have a cup holder in the end right. of it. And now almost everywhere I go has, um, not almost everywhere, but a lot of theaters I go to have the motorized recliner seats that are wide. Mm-hmm. You're not bumping elbows with anybody and you got a little table there for you. And almost all of them have at least like half a dozen beers you can untap right. that you can get. Um, you know, I think the the theater companies in an attempt to keep themselves going are going to add those kind of things that used to be very... Um, um, you know, specialized and unique will start to become more common um, as an added draw. Right. The, the, uh, for me, it's okay Be, because, um, you know, on this show, I, we, for a long while before the pandemic, I, I, part of my post analysis on reviews was always, was, is this worth watching in the theater or, or watching at home? like you and I both talked about. And that was a very important component to me because movie ticket prices kept going up and up and up. And everyone started talking about, we're not going to go to the movie theater because it's just too expensive for a family. And they weren't wrong. And I was on the board with that, that this is an endless spiral that is destroying and corrupting the movie industry from greed. Right. And was causing terribleness. Now, now that they got slapped in the face from that, but, and we're going the opposite way, but now all those, for me, it was always those movies that were worth it in the theater are the ones that are end up going to stay in the theater. And all the mm-hmm. ones that are, you should, I would recommend to watch at home typically are going to be on streaming now. And they're just going to go straight to that kind of a thing. Uh, so for me, that's fine. I think that, you know, I don't think I've never thought that you should wait, waste your, your money watching, uh, you know, a, like a drama on the big screen, but that's been me, you know, cause there's no real visual or, or audio need for that. I'm being generalistic here. Um, of course, uh, but you know, you can get a lot of that at home and sometimes a lot of those movies, it's okay to pause, go get a sandwich or whatever, a drink and then come back later. Um, mm-hmm. so, and you can't do that in a theater. There's no reason, there's no benefit to be a capture captive audiences on those. So there, so there, they, it is better that those are, are now going to be on that thing. But I just think movie, I think that 10 years from now, the, the theater experience will, will have shifted differently. We are definitely going to have them because we still see huge success stories in the theater. Um, but I, the biggest, I think the biggest change will be the struggle of the actual theaters themselves. That's going to shift like a lot. I, I honestly believe movie theater owners are going to have to just rework their whole process. And they'll actually have, if you ask me, they'll have to rework their, their, this whole stupid paradigm of, you know, uh, the movie theater, movie companies make 50% in the first week and then 55% second week and the 60. So that, so that theater owners only make money if it runs for a long time, Hmm. they need to, they need to negotiate that. But I think that, that whole change, they're going to have to struggle with these huge multiplexes that aren't selling things, putting movies in that they can't. And they're going to have to downsize, change a lot of stuff. So in 10 years, I see movie theater owners going out of business and then the ones that succeed coming up, changing their plans and changing their, modifying their kind of stuff to, to fit what Hollywood and the viewers are now doing with streaming 
and incorporating that. So it's a positive development for cinema in general. Uh, yeah. The last bit of this, I just wanted to say in, the, in our news section here, um, Knives, a Glass Onion, the Knives Out sequel. Okay. It came out last weekend as well. So this was the, the one that was, um, I said the weekend that was really bad. This one did really well. Um, the first Knives Out was in theaters and made something like $160 million, which was big for that size of a movie, right? Sure. That, that, that kind of a movie. Uh, this one was released by Netflix in theaters for only one week. And then now it's going over to, to Netflix. Oh, it's, um, it's that thing it's that, that thing. a streaming service has to do so that their movie can be uh, a valid um, um, Oscar pick. Correct. Yeah. Weird, right? So, yeah. it, what's a little weird? Uh, the the analysts have been talking about this one. The fact that it's a mistake, I feel, and they feel, uh, from Netflix, in that the first one made money, right? Like it made money, right? And it made money in the theater. And this was the argument with the whole, hey, we need these kind of shows in the theater to get people to come back to the theater to see it. Because Knives Out came out, it was not a Marvel movie, and it made a good, respectable lot of money and a lot of profit for the company that made it. So having this kind of example shows that you can make money in a theater. But now streamers will just put it in there for, for a week and then just dump it back on their thing. And yet again, reinforcing this idea that they don't want to put anything but billion-dollar franchises on the big screen anymore. Yeah. And which is which is a little unfortunate, I think, for everybody in the thing. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Fran franchise films make money, but um, if the theater experience is just franchise films, there's a whole niche of smaller uh, studios and directors and and creative creatives who want to make a movie that is a theater visual spectacle. Yeah kind of piece yeah that, um, that does a blade runner get made in right in the future right. you know um or even a star wars right you don't want to take a risk on a, on a little thing that makes no sense yeah it's hard when uh the majority of the really good star wars made in the last decade is all um tv shows well well now well, yeah right right especially and, and, and stuff coming out and rogue one and rogue one yeah. but uh, all right. So anyway, all that, right. that's all we I had should, for the news stuff. But but should, I thought yeah. that was interesting topics with how theater's going, especially with this last weekend um, mm. with numbers, because numbers are what drives stuff as much as we don't want to believe it. You know, we vote with our money. So if you do, if you disagree with me and you want to see these things, because, yes, I'm definitely we all know I have my own opinions and that does not mean the majority in any way. If you're one of those people that, that feels that shows like Knives Out or any other kind of indie shows dramas, what have you, belong in the theater, you vote with your money. So go out there and do it and be out there. You can't just say, <laughs> I'll wait, right? Um, sure. You, you have to, if you feel that way, go out there and vote with your money. Okay, move, move on. What, what's, our, what's our next here? What do we got today? Um, well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the board games that I played. Yeah, let's do that. Um, Some board my, games. With my uh, sister and brother-in-law we need to talk um, more about board games dennis by the way I, i've moved <laughs> and been in the whole moving process so i haven't been able to play board games and then you have had the whole moving things board games. i mean i'm on the road so i yes. don't uh 
yeah, I don't I don't get that opportunity. Although I have been playing some new games on uh, on Board Game Arena. I've heard that um, I've not been there in like eight months at least, and I've heard that they have <laughs> um, some like re- legit games on there now. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff. We're playing uh, Point Salad, which is not a not an amazing game, but it's another fun little mm-hmm. another fun little thing. Um, our friends uh, Fox and Jill from uh, formerly of Geek, from the 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 former Geek Scholars Movie News podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we we just started a game of uh, My City, which is that Tetris town building. I own game, that. You, what? what you, hold on, you, you, you got to stop there on this one. We can't just like glance over it as a mention. This is a legacy game on Board Game Arena. Yeah. Yes, and there's some. I've not seen how this works because this is uh, this is connected to the other game that I played both in real life and on Board Game Arena called The Crew. Okay. Um, they've implemented a feature, and I've not really seen it in action. So this is a new this is a new thing. But there's some kind of feature in Board Game Arena where you can um, you can start a legacy game, and the way that their turn based game system works, you really could just keep that game going. For the whole campaign. Sure. Right? It's it's just hanging out. You come back to it. You start the next game. But there is some kind of feature where you can leave. You can end the game and then pick it back up somehow. I mean, um, that makes sense because in these legacy games, you can have someone drop out after a game. and Someone else come in. Right. I don't know if that's drop someone out, uh, uh join them back in i know with um this is probably true for my city as well though i didn't set it up because i don't know the game in the crew you can um you can start the campaign at any mission right you just pick what mission you're on but there's also a continue campaign button so i don't know how that works it makes perfect sense to me that they would be able to do this like the only reason it's impressive is because i've never seen it before like it's a website with a database. The challenge of having a legacy game ongoing is like storing all the data. I was going to say like, yeah, you're keeping like, it, which right? cards did I have? What was our score at the thing? And on a website, that's trivially easy because they have a database. Right. right but they would have to keep that, that database in for perpetuity. Right. That's something that they yeah, don't do now. So, so I don't know if it's, I mean, they keep all your games history, right? They so do, they do. Um, you know, all they would have to do is is look that up and have a stat. They could keep a status of a game. Yeah, sure. Right. Ex- exactly. So, so how did it work um, in, in the? Let's do my city. You you played a game of that. How? What? So you finished a game. Does mm-hmm. so? I know people that aren't familiar with board game Rain are a little lost here. So it's an online web based board game interface. It feels very nineties right. looking, but it does a lot of a lot of really great games and implementations of board games. What mm-hmm. when you play a game which you can play asynchronously or synchronously, which means that everybody has to play at the same time or take your turn and then go away. Right. Um, when you finish this game, usually on that that thing, it's done. It says who won terribly. It says who won, lost, and it moves on. Now this mm-hmm. has things that go on. What's your experience? Tell, tell me experience on my city. Once it finished, have one? Have you started the next game? Two. What do you do next? Do is there a show a showrunner, game runner? Is there a how's it work? Um, so we played one game, okay, and uh, uh, one one uh, episode. Yeah. Um. No, what are they called? Whatever they're called, yeah. one, one one game. Yeah. And I think there's uh, twenty five in my city or something because like I don't know the rules. Okay. And um. Then it gave me the option to put the little sticker on my board 
So at the end, when and it was over and that was done, you you got a thing, which we're not going to say because it's a spoiler for the game. You have it. You got yeah. a thing, and you did it post game. Yeah. Like post game was over. And then the next mission starts. It's like if oh, um, it started like just a new game started. Yeah, and it gives you an option, right, to like start the next mission or to to vote to I don't know if you vote or or how it works, um, but it's similar to. Uh, like automobiles when we play a multi-race season. Yeah. Um, except this has this some kind of like drop out and continue option. That's which cool. Again, I've not I've not seen in action. That that's actually that's really great because I think signing up for a twenty-five game game can be daunting or something like oh I'm not going to do that one. It's a big the idea, for sure. Like if it's built in that you could between games just quit and somebody else could pop in and now play a th- four player game instead of a five player game. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds really exciting. Um, is this, so you said the crew is on there or is that with just in person? Yeah. The crew is on, is on board game arena as well. Okay. And we discovered something last night. Uh, so, so the crew, I think we've talked about this before, but this is a cooperative trick ticking game. So if you've played Euchre or Pinochle or Spades or Hearts or there are a lot of uh, basic card deck um, uh, trick-taking games where uh, someone plays a card and everybody else has to play a card of the same suit as that card. Um, that's the basic rule. And whoever's card is highest takes those all those cards, usually four, um, and gets a point or whatever it's a little different for every game um the crew does not have standard cards it has custom cards that go from one to nine and are four different colors instead of suits they do all also have shapes for uh colorblind um uh, accessibility and it's a the the base game and there's a second game which i don't I, i assume is just a new set of missions um the the original game is a series of 50 missions and they each have different stipulations um there is a deck of um mission cards okay that are they're actually exactly the same as the the normal cards you play except they're half size um and there are no uh what we call trump cards or wild cards in the in the big deck there are four there are numbers one through four that are black uh rocket ship cards because it's space themed okay um and in most trick ticking games you have this concept of trump which is a a kind of card that beats all the other cards right um and the the mission deck the quest deck is just a deck of these cards and so you deal a number of those around the board to each person and those signify like in the very first mission if i'm the um what they call the leader which is the the leader is the person who gets the four of rockets right they get the highest card in the deck okay so it's so that's how it's chosen and then it goes around and in the first mission you you deal one mission card and you start with the leader. So I get one mission card. Maybe it's a green six. Now our only goal in that hand is for me to win a trick that has the green six in it. 
okay. six is pretty easy. Like there's some strategy, right? If the number is low, if I have the green one mission and I also have the green one in my hand, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be difficult. Uh if it's high, if it's the nine and I have the nine, it's gonna be easy. If it's nine if I have the nine mission and somebody else has the nine card, it's going to be more difficult. Yeah. Um, that, that's a sort of basic challenge. And then there is, uh, there's only one um, game allowed way for players to communicate. This is also standard in trick taking games. Uh, often, like in oh, euchre, yeah, you can't. It's it's yeah. it's played in a in a quad in two uh, two pair, like two teams of two. Um, and so each team sit across from each other and they're trying to win, but you can't communicate. You can't tell your partner, oh, I've got the red, I've got the ace of hearts, right? That's not allowed. Okay. Um, in this game, you are allowed to, at any point, once per hand or once per, um, mission, um, I don't know if mission's the right word. Anyway, mm -hmm. uh, once per hand, you can take one of the cards in your hand and put it down in front of you. And then you have a little chip that you can put on the middle of the card, on the okay. top or on the bottom. That tells the, pl the players at the table who are, well, you know, it's cooperative. You're all on the same team. Right. But if you put the chip in the middle, you're saying, this is my only card of this color. If you put it on the top, you're saying, this is my highest of this color and then bottom lowest of this color. Mm. So you might say, you know, if, if you have the quest for the green nine, if, if I have the quest for the green nine and my highest green is a five, I might put that five down and say, this is my highest five. So right. we're going to have to come up with some, some other solution. And then as you get further in the game, you do more quests at first, like everybody gets one. Then there are little modifiers that say you have to complete these quests in this order. Or there are little greater than symbols that are like these have to be <coughs> these have to be completed uh, before the other. Right. Okay. Um, which is which is not the same as like the numbered ones that say like, you know, there are four quests out and two of them have a one and a two. Well, the one has to be done first, the two has to be done second, and then you can do the other two whenever. If you have the greater thans, it just means that my one greater than card has to be done before your two greater than card. The other two right. quests on the board could be done at any time. Um, okay. And and then there's like, there's some where you can't communicate. There are some that say like, you know, you have to, um, uh, uh, like win, win a trick with a one, which means you lead a one and nobody else has that color. So okay. you win because nobody else can follow suit. Um, it gets more, it gets progressively more difficult. And, um, my sister and brother-in-law and I have played about half of it. We're up to like, 23 i think as of last night oh, okay. um we played a handful of missions every night i think since i've been here almost. that's pretty good that's a, that's a lot and uh yeah yeah and it's and it's fun and then then you get in the like 
oh, somebody screwed it up. All right, we got to redeal. Sometimes you get unlucky cards, right? Because oh, yeah. there's still a lot of randomness in how the both the quests and the hands are both just dealt out of right. a of a shuffled card deck. Um, and yeah, that's been fun. An interesting thing I discovered last night when we were doing um, virtual uh, board game night is that there's a there's a graphic display on board game arena when you're playing this game that will show you all the cards that have been played okay which is interesting and there might be a setting for this i don't i don't know it's it um the game might still be an alpha which is a thing on board game arena too if it's still in development um the way that board game arena works is there is a log there's like a chat log of everything that happens so um in in real life playing the crew uh the tricks that are taken are supposed to be put face down so you know what cards are out when a trick happens yeah but after that they get put face down so you you know there's a card counting thing oh yeah yeah but but if you're on board game arena you might play like i might open the you know load the website play a blue five and then now it's fox's turn and, you know, I'm going to come back and look at it in a couple hours. Like, there's no way you could... Re- I mean, somebody can if you have a eidetic memory. But right, yeah, yeah. a normal person is not going to remember. But the game has a chat log. So you can... I mean, it's different from the chat log. It has an actions log. And so I could, if I wanted to, scroll down that log and just look at everything being played. We're also all playing on our computer. So I can open up a text editor and just write down every card that's being played. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. And then you know, like, oh, there are no, you know, there are only two greens left, and I have one of them, so the other one's somewhere out there. So what they did is they just put that right on the screen. They're like, some people are going to be able to, I mean, anybody can look through the log, it's just tedious. Right. And they're like, this information is freely available, let's just put it on here. Um, yeah, that, 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 that's a big difference between playing a, a game like in in the reels versus mm-hmm. you know uh, online is that you can do all these kind of uh, bookkeeping things that you won't can't do you can't write down all the things that have been done before and what's been played right. but you can do it on- online that's just a kind of a- yeah that's what um, our buddy Cogswell told me when I did a uh, a sushi go tournament yeah um, is that the the serious players will write the hands down right you're playing you're playing sushi go with like three, four people, you're going to get your hand back. And so, and you can see all the cards everybody played. And so you go, okay, well, I'm going to get a squid nigiri in two turns. Right. Maybe if, if somebody doesn't take it, um, and you can plan your turn around that. And it's, you know, to me, I'm like, You've kind of taken all the fun, of, but that's what I, happens. I agree. <laughs> in, in tournaments, I mean, the first time I, I'm, I'm sure that I've mentioned this on the podcast. I don't think we were doing the podcast when this happened, but at Gen Con one year, I did a Smash Up tournament, and Smash Up is a game that's kind of goofy and silly, and yeah. making it a competition with strangers like took all the fun out of it. Now I know that that's not universal. I know that, right. um, sure, that sure, our buddy Pat and. Pete and some of the others have said that, you know, they get in a tournament and it's fun. And you've probably said this too. Yeah. Um, 
you know, you get, you sort of, it, it depends on the game, depends on, mm-hmm. you know, a whole, a whole variety of factors. Uh, last question on the subject real quick for you. What, which, which I'm, I'm looking at the board game arena site and they have four legacy games right now. My, my city is mm. one, uh, one called, uh, Le Marche du Crab. I think it's a okay. French game, obviously. Uh, Sounds like it. And then there are two games called The Crew. There's The Crew Mission Deep Sea and The Crew, The Quest for Planet Nine. Which one did you describe today? So Planet Nine is the original. Okay. It's space-themed. And the, so I think part of the idea, and all the missions have, like, flavor text that you can read. Like, oh, you advance toward Jupiter and a, you know, solar flare comes and knocks out your communications. Whatever. Yeah. Um, I've never read any of them. But <laughs> I think... I think the idea there is that you're in space, in spacesuits, so you can communicate a little bit, right? Like hand yeah. signals or something, but you don't have radios or whatever, so you can't talk to each other. And I assume that the uh, uh, the the deep sea one is similar, but like down in the ocean instead of in space. Well, if if you ever want to invite me to a to a my city game, Dennis, then then I'll, then I'll have to give it a shot. I think I think that sounds good. And I'll, I'll read more about the crew and give that one as well yeah i'll i'll see how this game with fox jill goes i don't think i want to do two of those at a time but yeah uh, it's well i mean yeah. it's you know legacy games are the investment that you you invest in a lot of games kind of going forward i think but you know it's, it's, it's true we, we've had talks about these uh, they're my favorite i think kind of games legacy well mm. let me clarify that i mean uh, uh yeah i mean cooperative legacy games i think competitive legacy games can be some of the worst games ever made but i agree because then you're just angry for the next year (laughs) (laughs) instead of like okay i can just leave because this is terrible um so yeah yeah that that sounds i'm excited about that it's been it has been so long since i played board game arena i i get burnt out was was the thing i think is you know it's that uh you have it felt like a chore. I'm not knocking board game. I think it's a wonderful site, and I think everyone should hasn't heard about it should go to it. Uh, my experience of it after playing it as much as we solely have was this: um, having ten games, six to ten games, and a queue that you feel like you have to be doing all the time. And then I lost track sure. of what one game is this and what I did in that game, and it wasn't. It didn't feel like an investment in a game, right? Like mm. when we play on 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 game nights it was we're we're playing a game that we're all kind of playing together and we're doing but when it was it's on board game arena asynchronous it's just a list of six of ch- checklists that i have to do and then i have to look at it back <laughs> in make sure i take my turn and things like that so it wasn't as exciting i think legacy games can be a little bit differently because they're they're kind of cooperative um can and be, i don't know yeah, if a, yeah. i don't know if i've played a whole lot of cooperative games on board game arena um so that that can no i mean a lot of those, and and we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Like, um, there are games, there are games that are fun either way, and yeah. there are games that are better asynchronous. I think, uh, or turn based, as we say. I yeah. think that Potion Explosion yeah. is a great asynchronous game, yeah, because it seems very like light and silly, but there's a decent amount of like look at the board, look at the marbles and which, and predict which, you know, see which ones are going to chain kind of thing. And there's very little interaction. There's like one potion that lets you steal somebody else's marbles and that's it. Like 
you're really just playing um you, you're racing to get the most points before the potions run out and using the same board of marbles but you you're not like nobody's hate drafting marbles in potion explosion yeah. so to for me just because of the way i am to have to sit there and wait while trotsky stares and goes okay and if the blue takes mm, yellow, but yeah. i don't need a yellow like really in person red. yeah i'm like i'm like come on. or even on board game arena in real time i'm like just pull a marble so we can keep going um, right Be- because because what they do does affect you but you play your turn on your turn when the marbles that are in front of you instead of right you're yeah. you, like you're not taking aside from maybe stealing somebody's marbles which is still you're not doing it to hurt them you're only doing it to help yourself like that's the only one thing so yeah. you're really you know it's almost like playing solitaire like playing yahtzee and so there's no reason right. to, to you know to be you know sort of in real time so what was i saying there 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 are games that are fine either way there are some that are better turn-based and there are some that are better in real time so even if you are you know like we do on discord all playing the same time um and there are some that are you know it's fun either way but it's better it's slightly better some are like almost only work in real time um Mm. just one the uh write down words and guess and try to not write the same word i don't know how you would play that turn-based i'm sure that people have done it um Mm, yeah um um, hanabi the fireworks Mm -hmm. game where you play with your your cards facing forward i we maybe tried that but it was like it's a memory game like how how can you do this in turn-based it just doesn't it just doesn't work so um it's been interesting like the whole experience over the last two getting coming up on three years now um well we didn't discover board game arena and probably till the midsummer but Mm -hmm. um it's interesting to see and we knew this about the video games right i mean i discovered 20 not 20 years ago 15 years ago um when i found a website where you could play settlers of Catan. Um, being able to play it a lot and fast yeah. kind of spoiled the experience of playing it in real life. Um, mm, yeah. This, oh, because yeah, we're yeah. still, because we're still playing it with each other and there's all of the social aspects, like it changes it a lot, but there are definitely games and, you know, it's lucky for us now, as opposed to this Settlers of Catan story I'm talking about, which was 2005. We're fortunate now that there are not, 20 games to play there are 20,000 games to play and it doesn't matter it's not going to affect my ability to play games in real life if I decide that say uh, original seven wonders I don't want to play in real life anymore yeah there's there's too much like math and setup and all that and when you automate all of that away by software you realize that the game is just a slightly fancier sushi go like I would rather just play it this way that's it's it's not fun enough to go through all of that setup um, and, and, and admin. Right. Yeah. The admin stuff is a huge, a huge thing. And, and, and as I said, fortunately there are plenty of games to play. There, there there are, Um, man, I like like this. I miss our, our board game section. Before we move out of the board game section, I will say, you know, I'm, I'm I'm slow going on my, my game room getting ready to go before I can actually, uh, that's one of the things about me playing games lately is, you know, this, the moving thing. 
uh, getting mm-hmm. my table cleaned off. I, I'm I'm a solo board gamer, so I I will play board games solo. But I haven't done that in a good six to eight months, if not more, uh, because I haven't had the space things. But mm-hmm. now I'm looking at my table over there; it's got a lot of stuff on top of it. Is clearing that out, getting back into that one. One of the things that I have is um, we were had a game weekend over at Captain Chris's house, Chris's, and yep, yep. Um, uh, our buddy Justin had uh, brought over the Batman game that's kind of based on the Conan system. There was a big Kickstarter thing, huge, okay, sure. huge boxes, like really big boxes, you know, two Gloomhaven level boxes. Um, and they, it goes for over like 150 bucks or something like that one on the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had brought it reluctantly and I wasn't sure why. Um, <laughs> and we didn't play it. And then we were all putting games up and leaving Chris's in the end day. He's like, and I was talking like, oh man, we didn't get to play the Batman game because you know, I like comic books. And he's like, right. uh, why don't you just take it with you? So he gave me Batman. Mm. Like he's he he's never he played it like once or maybe, and then just gave it to me. I was like, wow, that's like an expensive, big, huge, all these miniatures and stuff, and he doesn't want that. I said, like, can you play it solo? He's like, well, there's a you can go online and you know on uh, Board Game Geek and you get a there's some rules some people have made how to play automate it. Sure, so like, sure. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. As, as um, do. So I, I I had the table cleaned off, and I was like, yeah, I'm ready to get back into games. This is a, this is a good one. He he gave me this game, which is like huge, and I'm gonna go. Oh my gosh, it's it's insane. It's it was the, it's got a how to play video that's 45 minutes long. It has a oh. book of ridiculous amount of pages on how to how to play it. No, mm. like this is your first game, just play this part type stuff. It's just extreme. The setup is massive for everything a billion bits and pieces and everything. Um, and then the reviews come back from it. Cause I watched like sit up and shut down and such come right, back right. as middling at best. It's oh, like, no. yeah, it's like Conan was fun because it was stupid. This one is just took the fun part out of it. And I'm like, mm. Oh, that makes me so sad. And, and these miniatures yeah. in this game are gorgeous. Um, like their whole, all of the Batman road galleries and families and stuff are in here. Um, that's, that's the worst when you get like, a really beautiful, well-made, uh, like visually well-designed. Uh, what do they say? It has a lot of tabletop appeal or something yep. like that. Uh-huh. Um, and then something about the gameplay just it's just, just doesn't like the the Firefly game is kind of like that. Though I wouldn't call the components or anything in that game amazing. Though you have the like Chinese character money and the yeah little, yeah yeah. Serenity class ships. You're like, oh, um, cool. There's a big space uh, thing with Serenity ships, ships and stuff. Say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then it's terrible. And then the game is just like this very slow, punishing, like parallel play game with no interaction. And uh, right, yeah. you're right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's how this sounds. So I am going to at some point. I am going to. It's it's probably sitting a very high top of my list on games to play when I get this whole thing set up here in this room, which I'm very close. Um, but Man, it seems like a lot of investment. It's it's sad that, that a game like that also has that inv- also the investment to to rules, mm. and, and and a lot of that uh, according to sit up and shut down, which I, I you know we don't not paid by them, but we we like them, is um, um, like you have to every all the scenarios, they're just individual games. They're not like a legacy thing where they all like transfer. Mm. It's just a just a scenario that you're playing with a story sure. to it, and then each one has like a ton of individual rules for it. And all the characters for that individual scenario has a ton of very specific individual rules. 
and you everybody has to read them all. Everyone has to read them all and know mm. them all for every scenario. So it's like every scenario that you play is a ton of school before you get to actually play. And then yeah. when you play, you don't get to do anything except what that scenario that wants you to do. Um, right. So the so I'm like, how oh, that makes me, makes me feel. So I, I don't know, I'm not reviewing this game because I haven't played it. It's just reviews of reviews. Um, but that's on my list, and I'm going to do it. And maybe I'll come back and talk about it in our board game section soon. So that's just I wanted to add that mm. that the Batman thing is something I'm going to do. I am going to try and play it solo. So hopefully that will be something about like you know multiple people don't have to learn it, just me. Um, right. And and that I can um, you know maybe go quicker because of the consensus. So we'll. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, cool. So that's board games. I'm glad we got board game section back in. in there. <laughs> uh, let's move over though while we got some time because we're we're kind of going. Uh, running, yeah, we're we're, we're doing a lot of good stuff here today. Uh, let's do do movies. Let's do some movies. Well, two things we want to do in our movie section today. We got to do our our movie of the week. This uh, Christmas story, Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to talk about Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever. That's right. uh, what do you want to do? Which one do you want to do first? Um. Let's talk about Christmas Story Christmas just so we make sure that we get it in. All right, let's do our movie of the week, Christmas Story Christmas. All right, as we both just said several times, we watched A Christmas Story Christmas. Weird uh, title, right? From 2022. It's brand new. Um, This is, uh, as, as predicted, somewhat of a requel of uh a christmas story one of the I, th- most... I think it's 100 percent requel i mean i think that's definitely yeah. Is, right? yeah one of the most beloved christmas movies of all time mm-hmm. um has a lot of the original cast though um the parents uh ralphie's parents are not the the dad passed away fairly i, I think the dad's the original one he's a ghost he's, he's there. Ah, <laughs> right terrible. right terrible um and the mom is not uh the same though the Original mom is still living, but she's like in her early 80s. I assume yeah. she's not working anymore. Right, yeah. And all of the, uh, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but like the kids, his friends, and the school bully, and all that, like that's all those same guys. Yeah, same um, actors, which is nice. Nice to have it. Yeah, yeah. So let's do pre, pre-spoiler stuff. Um, so the story follows Ralphie coming back, which is the actor Peter Billingsley is, is he lives in Chicago with the family. He is narrating. Um, mm-hmm. There was in, in the original movie, uh, Ralphie was played by Peter Billingsley as a kid. I don't know. Was he like seven, maybe and seven or eight. And Something he, like he talked, he spoke, but his voice, inner voice was narrated by an older gentleman. Uh, some a yeah. different actor in this one. He has an inner voice, which is voiced by himself. So Ralphie Peter Billingsley is narrated right, by Peter Billingsley, right. um, and he is, you know, obviously playing himself, talking, and then narrating. So that's that's kind of a what I actually think is a pretty big difference between the, the two. Um, and yeah, the the original movie is narrated by uh, Gene Shepard, who is the author of uh, the book. Oh, I didn't know he's the author. That's great. That's excellent. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, that, that, that's a pretty big thing. And I'll talk about that maybe in spoilers a little bit, but I think out of spoilers, I can say that that's a, um, you may not think that's a big deal, but for me, when I was watching and I think that's, that was a huge disconnect between the two that 
changes a lot of kind of what the, what the movie is. Um, it so it follows Ralphie. He's in Chicago. He's trying to become a writer. It's the end of the time. It's coming up on the Christmas season, and he goes home. Um, and this is in the. I don't want to say spoilers. I'm not sure if that's in the trailer or not. But he goes home, um, and he sees his old family home, which is the original house. I think it's in Cleveland is where actually where it is. Mm-hmm. But it's this, it takes place in, in, in a, a fictional town in Indiana. Yeah, and near Gary. Near Gary, right. So not too far from, from Chicago. Um, right. And he's got two kids and a wife, and they come back, and they encounter multiple people that still live in this, the town before. And they have their own kind of story that they have to go through in the story. Um, but the crux of it is that, that he is trying to get his first book published. Um, mm-hmm. And he is waiting for publishers, you know, all the way up to Christmas and beyond. Uh, right. Is he successful or not? Um, how, how did you feel about is this? Are we spoiler time or are we post spoiler time here? Um, I I don't know that I have thoughts that I can really say without um, without spoiling it. Um, so let's let's do that. I'm going to hit the bell here. We are going to talk about a Christmas story, Christmas uh, in full detail. Um, this is a movie. It's. I won't say like knowing the spoilers would ruin it. I don't think so. Um, I don't see don't. But I I think you'll probably see if you. If you know and love the original, you'll probably see a lot of it coming. Yeah, and I agree. And you'll you'll probably get a better experience if you don't know exactly what's coming. So yeah. maybe skip ahead for final thoughts. Um, so boy, I went back and forth a lot with this movie. Um, my my sister and brother in law and I were talking about uh, the original, like Thanksgiving Day or whatever, and how. Their kids don't like it. Um, they're my oldest niece just turned eighteen. But they, they so don't like the original. Is that what you said? They don't like the original. Oh, um, okay. Weird. All right. It's it's sure. it's one of those it's one of those weird things where, and I forget quite when it was made, but you know the the culture turned at a point when we started making content specifically for specific age groups. Oh, uh, sure, fair. Um, fair. A Christmas Story is a movie about a kid that is a movie for parents and sure, I'm, over yeah, sim- sure. I'm oversimplifying like yes there's a lot of goofy funny the lines everybody knows when he says so help me god yellow eyes and when he spills the lug nuts and says fudge um but and some, the decoder, some, some kids can decoder relate pin, right like they, they and all know, that right it's yeah. like it's like funny for kids stuff i know when i was a kid i had like 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 uh uh body horror sympathy at the the flagpole tongue thing like that just yeah or 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 that your parent getting you all gussed up with a ton of winter stuff mm, right mm. or, or ac- accidentally saying a I, cuss word in front of your parent I, you know I almost forgot that like the moment went like I'm not claustrophobic but the moment when Randy falls down and he can't get up because the mom <laughs> has bundled him in too many coats like I think kept gave me nightmares as a kid. Um, sure. Like that was horrific to yeah. me, but um, back to this movie <laughs> la- later, later as an adult, I'm not a parent, but as an adult, I watched a YouTube video. I want to say movie Bob breaking this down. He used to, I don't know. I don't follow him anymore, but um, he used to do this series called really that good 
question mark, right? Where he would take a classic film, break it down and try to determine. And in most cases, I think he picked projects that were really that good as his, as his question poses, because he wanted his channel to be more positive in the world of, you know, all the people who just like to dump on stuff. Sure. And he did one of these for this movie and he talks about the year it was set in. He talks about the dad and in this time it's you know it's just before World War 1 so it's or before World War 2. And so it's just coming out of the depression and the dad for all his like complaining about everything takes great pride in every tiny little win and tiny little problem that he can solve in his life. And is, you know, a lot of it is played for laughs. A lot of it's very funny, but you still see like when the dogs eat the turkey, like he's suddenly calm and takes charge and says, we're going to go eat. And then they do the stupid scene with the duck uh, and, you know, the racist Chinese uh, uh, restaurant yeah, guys. Right. But um, like it breaks all of this down. And then the next time I watched that movie, I did the thing that you should do on Christmas morning when Ralphie finally opens the the thing and it's the gun like you watch the dad like the dad has been just between his mood has been from miserable to barely tolerant all morning right he's right. get the bowling ball and he's wearing the the Ralphie's wearing the the bunny slipper suit and all that stuff and then he opens you know, he he points to like, huh, what's that over there? And then he, then he, you know, he opens it and the dad's face just lights up. It's like he, you know, he knew, he saw, he knew what Ralphie wanted. And, and even though he never gave him in any indication, and it's some of it's generational, right? That's the dad is the generation before the greatest generation, right? right. That people call the silent generation. They didn't right. share all this stuff anyway i'm getting way way too into that so this movie (laughs) this movie this movie alternated for me between um it's so i don't know that requel is quite the right word it's really more of like a like a it's sort of a prequel like it's a it's a so so this is the big spoiler um that I was sort of anticipating because he's doing the writing thing, but then um, expected the reveal sooner when you see him typing on the typewriter. Um, It's a sequel to the original movie and a prequel to the original story that the original movie is based on. Yeah. Um, So it's a, it's a weird sort of, I don't know whether to call it a prequel or sequel because it's not, it doesn't really have the like, the same narrative arc of the original, which is the one of the hallmarks of a requel is that you're t- telling the same kind of story. Um, yes, he has this thing that he wants and he does get it, but it's, it's still just him. Like maybe it's, maybe it's a sort of parallel with him and his old man. Like there, there may be something there. Um, so most of this movie, it has its own story, but like, Half of the content is references and homages to the original. Oh, it's all, it's played for all, nost- the the big N word nostalgia. I mean, it's a hundred percent. You've seven got trying to be. You've yeah. got all his same friends. Um, there's a 
the an ramp Easter egg versus I, the thing. Yeah. yeah, there's there's an Easter egg I didn't I didn't realize or remember until I was just looking at IMDb now. Um, the is book, the bar, the bar name. Well, the n- no, the Not bar the name, is part of it. It's, it's the plaque above the bar. Is that what I'm He's saying? got a yeah. plaque above the bar that says "In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash." Others pay that's cash. the title. That's the title of the book Gene Shepard wrote right. that. A Christmas Story is basically. Which I caught real quick. I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I knew it. It was familiar to me, but I couldn't I couldn't place it. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, nostalgia is, is the, I mean, actually, I think when, when they started doing the nostalgia is when it started getting okay. Like, some, that, it, that part it, I was kind depends. of interested in. It depends. Like, some of the nostalgia, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so dumb. Like, how did he fall? How did this guy not die? Um, like, like this is dumb. Like, I see it's kind oh, of it, funny, it but goofy. it's like, it's like courtesy laugh at best. And yes, then, like, yes. and then yeah. they build, they build up to this, like, oh, here are all these presents. Your dad must have bought them and wrapped them and hid them in the basement. And he, you know, he didn't know. I mean, which sort of makes sense with the character but like here are these and it's uh um knowing that uh that actor um uh who's uh Darren McGavin passed away recently mm-hmm. it's like you know now it's part of the story well, I guess he he passed in 06 it wasn't that recent but still um the the character dies in the story right you find that out pretty early in the movie um the dad and so then to bring it back and have this like um you know this like he was he was there in spirit like he still saved christmas like he like he always had years before and then he writes a story like it still got me emotionally but none of it was as as effective as impactful as the original if that makes any sense for for sure i i agree with that hardly i my thoughts on that kind of coincide with what you're saying here is that um i i would say the nostalgia part of it was the only real highlights um because the first half there wasn't a lot of that i mean literally the first half of the movie there wasn't a lot of you know, he went to Flix Bar, sure, right? And he, he saw Schwartz, right. cool. But that was just that was just almost they almost felt like little Easter eggs. They were just peppering in there. Later on, they mm-hmm. they go hardcore into the oh, this is the parallels from the other stuff uh, with with Scott Farkas and um, the the ramp and things like that. Um, but you're right; they were chuckles at best. But at that point, I hadn't had a lot of chuckles at all. Not that I had to, but I, <laughs> right, right. but there wasn't a lot to really be interested. Uh, so much so. So we watched this on Thanksgiving evening. And so there were some family members that were in the living room and people were kind of coming through and watching. Now, one of the greatest things about a Christmas story is that you can hop in. They're all little vignettes, right? You can hop in, watch yeah, the, yeah. watch the, uh, the part about Randy and the, um, that's the, that's the a thing I, and I go didn't, away. and I'm sure I've mentioned this before. That was a thing I wasn't aware of until I watched that YouTube essay of how episodic it is. They're like, you yeah. ask anybody who you know, who grew up in the U.S. and celebrated Christmas, and they can probably tell you most of the things that happen in a Christmas story, and probably 
not remember what order they happen in. Yeah, not in order. Because it, it, it yeah. literally, with like the swipe fades and stuff that like, yeah. now he's here, he's doing the decoder pin. Does that happen before he sees Santa or after? Exactly. And this movie was structured kind of the same way. Right. So, so you know, th- this one though, it did have the vignettes, but there was still kind of the point of why he's there, what he's doing and, and stuff. So, um, and then there's a family. So my, my point there was that people walking in and out didn't see it as like, couldn't, because when you walk in a Christmas story, it's one of the reasons I think my kids and all the kids that I think they're watch this even is that they'll walk in, they'll stare for a minute at the TV, watch the little vignette, they'll go, oh, "That's great," and then they they leave when it's done. Then they leave, right? yep, yep. And, and and that's and then they're like, "Oh, I liked that show because there's that part with that kid and the in the big clothes. That's great." Um, and then they'll watch the, another one, and then after like you know right. six Christmases, you know they're like saying so many. Now you watch the whole thing. Um, this one, there wasn't anybody walking through. And if they stopped to see what was on, none of the little vignettes or whatever parts, little st- sub stories, whatever, were interesting enough at all for them to keep watching to the end. So sure. they just walk, they just continue to walk on through. The people that were watching, yeah. there was five of us in that room. All of us got bored halfway through. Uh, mm. Two of them just wandered away. Like they, they were ready, excited <laughs> to watch this one. And then they were like, gonna, I'm going to go get a drink and then never came back. And then the, right. the other three, including myself, just stopped watching. Like, I think what, the other two started looking on their phone, and then I noticed they were watching their phone. I couldn't – I was too bored to watch it, so I went and got a, a plate to eat. And then I, they, when I got back, they went I, there, and we just turned it off. I watched it, it – yeah, I watched it with uh, – I don't think – I don't know if any of the kids watched it with us, my, my nieces or nephew – um, but the adults all said, th- we, we did take a break at some point they had, we had to, uh, yeah. uh, you know, feed the dogs, let dogs out. And then we finished it, but I, I definitely pulled my phone out a couple times. Yeah. It was yeah. not, it was the, not super the, engaging. I, I, I sat down and had, because of this show that our, we're talking about right now, intentionally had to watch the second half. And I will say this for it. The second half is 50% better than the first. Like mm-hmm. the first half, it, it yeah. and I don't say it's better as it is now. It makes it elevates it back. It's all worth it type thing. It's got sentimental moments that you want to have that they sh- kind of should have had ish somewhere sprinkled in. They start doing the nostalgia stuff. Flick and Schwartz have their ramp thing. They have um, that's when he gets arrested by Scott Farkas, mm-hmm. um, and you know they have those things like okay now th- these are these are better right these are these are a little bit better because they're calling back to something you're familiar with. Now, if you'd not watch a Christmas story, you wouldn't, I don't think you'd be watching this one. Um, no, but, but no. you, you, you should be able to, as a problem, like you should be able to watch a vignette and it's funny in its own self. Like when he, he's going to get the bar, the light out of the bar and he gets arrested, that should be interesting, but it's just not unless you watch the original one. Cause the only thing that makes that interesting is that he beat up that kid and you saw it and it was a big storyline. Otherwise it's right. not interesting. So I'm, I'm going too far off there, but my point was, is that, it's a, it's mildly more interesting the second half. The first half was just not interesting at all. And I think some of it had to do with what I mentioned earlier is that before you're watching Christmas from the, the standpoint of a kid, the perspective of a kid as told by his adult version. Right? His, his adult. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, it's a nostalgic. I mean, the reason it's a nostalgic like the original by itself is a nostalgic movie because it's a movie made in the eighties talking about Christmas in the forties. Right. right. And this one is in the seventies, which I'm, I, I'm glad that they did that. 
they, they it's in the seventies, so it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to line up with yes. with when the book was was written was uh, right. Was oh, written. I see. So, I see what you're saying. Right. Okay. So it's yes, an adult just just as this movie portrays adult like in his late forties, early fifties, maybe Ralphie telling the story of his best Christmas and how it was. I mean, just as I said earlier about the original movie, it's all about his dad and Ralphie's relationship with his dad. And you don't realize that until you get to the end or if you've seen it several times and start to pay attention to all the clues. Um, Right. But, but this one, this one had the, had the problem that it didn't have that. The reason it didn't have that is because, I mean, one of the many reasons it didn't have that is because the, there wasn't a kid perspective. There right. wasn't there. And, and Ralphie, because Ralphie is a grown adult, Peter Billingsley, and they were like, we want to make this. I'm sure he was involved in trying to make this thing project happen for probably decades. Mm-hmm. And and he so he wants to be the lead and he was the lead, but he's also the voice. So the voice in his yeah. head. So now you no longer have this dichotomy of. You know, someone speaking to the to the, the the viewer in nostalgic tones in a way that adults can understand and remember back. Now it's just the kid, the guy who's a, a guy talking about his head about the guy. So it's it's literally nothing interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like they needed the original needed a narrator, right? Yeah. Because you need you need that you know voice of God, not voice of God, but the voice of the future. Or voice the of the future. Present, yes, yes. The commenting future. Right. on this story. This story is the didn't present. Need a narrator, right? Yeah. There's nobody. You know, there's no like eighty year old Ralphie telling the story of how he realized how great his dad was and and became a great writer. It's, yeah, yeah. It's 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 using a narrator that doesn't need to be there. Um, and there, sure, there's a couple lines when he talks to the kids about he's telling them to not have presents where. He's his internal monologue. It works, but for for ninety percent of the time, it doesn't work. And that's, I think, a major problem with this film. Um, is yeah. is that totally misses that mark? Uh, the other thing is, um, and this should have been said probably in the non spoiler thing because it's section because this is really relevant. This is a movie whose actors were child actors when they were actors, and they have no right. longer done anything of note since they were child no, actors. No. For a reason, they're they're not great actors. This is literally them pretending, you know, probably with a director and multiple takes and kind of going things there. They're not good, is my kind of point. Um, Flick and Schwartz being, you know, key things. They're probably like car salesmen or whatever now. They're just like living normal lives. I don't know. I don't have their IMDb things, but I know I looked up a couple of them (laughs) and they about done anything. Um, now that being said, like the mom, the new, the, the, the new character, she's great. She's done several things. She was fine in this. And I thought she was, she's an actress. She, Same thing with she, the mom. She was, she was in airplane. Yeah. Right. No, I, I mean, not just the mom. I meant like, uh, oh, uh, Ralphie's, Ralphie's wife. wife. Right. Yeah. White, yeah. The new, the new character. So, so the mom, yes, you're right. The one in the airplane and Ralphie's wife are new, are their actual actors and yeah. they were, they were fine, but everyone else, it definitely felt like super corny. And like, right. and I could just, I couldn't help. I'm trying not to pay attention to that, but you can't help when the lines are just stilted yeah. and terribly yeah. delivered all, and they're supposed to be punched or whatever. It's just, it didn't work. So I know we're going on a lot longer about this one, but there's a lot of things that may, that didn't make this work. Um, the kids themselves, their characters weren't all that interesting. 
all of the extra. They were fine. They were fine. Right. We they were can, fine at best. I liked the, I you, liked her beaning him or him beaning the little girl in the face. That scene was pretty good. Mm. Uh, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, it was funny. Um, right. Do you want to, uh, do you want to jump out of spoilers? Yeah, let's do, let's do that. Okay. Uh, so I think, uh, now we're out of spoilers on this one. Um, definitely not anywhere near as close as good as the first. Um, and honestly, now I, while watching it, I know why I hadn't heard of it because something like this would have gotten word of mouth had it been great, right? Like, Oh, Mm. they redid it and you need to go watch it because I felt great. It had a heart, a heart, I don't say warming, but a heart wrenching or heart touch, you know, little moments at the end. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and that was good and that made me feel good, but that was not anywhere worth the entire time that I watched. And as I said in spoilers, everyone that watched it in the house got bored and I had to go, I had to go make myself watch the second half, which was better, but not worth the whole thing. I would say for me, uh, you can pass on this one. Nostalgia only if you're bored on a day and want to want to kind of play it in the background. But even then, if in the background, you'll probably get lost and not care. Um, so, eh, yeah, I don't even, I don't, I mean, people I recommend it to is people who really are fanatics of the first one and want, are desperate to watch more for some reason. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, a hundred percent on all that. Like you mentioned in the spoiler section, uh, a lot of the original, um, child actors are in this. I don't think any of the adults from the original are in this and, uh, you know, very few child actors go on to become adult actors. For a reason. Uh, I think um, 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 Peter Billingsley did fine. Yeah, he was fine. Um, fine. And I definitely got the feeling that this was a passion project uh, yes. made by nice. big well fans of, of Gene Shepard and the original film. Yes. Well said. Um, and... And it and it shows that's a that's both both a positive and a negative. Um, it's the movie is packed with mis, with nostalgic references to the old movie down to a lot of their family photos are screenshots from the movie. And I'm like, OK, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, yeah, I get that. that yeah. Makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, unless you are a, and, and I'm a big like I think I said this last week, a Christmas story is easily in my top five Christmas movies. Um, but it just, yeah, there's, there's not enough, uh, um, in, like entertainment or I mean, the original. <laughs> has a lot of there's not enough entertainment right? in Stuff. this entertainment piece. Yes. That's, that's fair. That's a fair statement. Right. Like, like, you know, the whole orphan Annie decoder pin thing or the thing about the soap and like the, the fantasies, like the, the, kid having fantasies makes sense and now he's you know an almost 50 year old man still having daydreams like a like an eight-year-old it's it's they're just there are emotional heartwarming moments in this movie but there's not enough in between to keep you going there there will not be next year when it comes around christmas time there will not be one sub story or story that i think i will remember from this movie. And that, that mm. says probably the most where I, every yeah. single one I've seen of the original movie was memorable in every, everything. So, right. Yeah. Right. So I'll, uh, I'll, pr- I'll probably remember the big 
main ending story and otherwise yeah. yes. i'll be like sure. oh did they do a thing where he's like the, again the complete opposite of of the original so it wasn't awful but uh yeah oh yeah but, there's there's worse there's like movies that are poorly passable. made poorly like i like you, you said passion project I, we'll, we'll close with that bit is that that, I, that people cared about this movie right like the the actors yes cared what they were doing and and mm-hmm. even though i was kind of knocking on them you could tell they wanted to do this and that they're happy to doing it and the, and the, the director and producers and the writers and everything else there it's not bad it's just not great either it's just meh it's milk toast mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um so yeah uh, it's fine uh, okay moving on for the next one we got there is uh oh man we're quick on this one we got 10 minutes left um <laughs> So I want to pick real quick next week. Uh, we're going to do a little bit different thing here for next week because we got holiday stuff happening. Um, we're going to we're doing three movies this time or three shows, I should say. Um, we, Dennis and I talked about this as, um, beforehand, so we we pick pre pick this. It is my pick, so I'm officially picking the the Disney show Disenchanted, which is a uh, sequel to the movie Enchanted. Uh, with Amy Adams and Amy Adams, yeah. Dempsey. Um, yeah, so that, that's the one that I'm officially picking. Um, but we're also going to watch the Guardian of the Galaxy holiday special. That's yeah, out. That one's only like 40 minutes long. Yeah, not and very long. You've seen it already. I, I did. Um, so we're going to save that one. I, I mean, I can't, you know me, got to watch it when they come out. Um, <laughs> and then another one is, you know, I've, I've been kind of pulling at Dennis to watch uh, a, uh, is it okay to say corny Christmas romance movie? Is that okay? That's not a derogatory term, right? Especially not in this context when I believe uh, um, these movies were made that way very intentionally. Intentionally. Uh, so you picked one for us on this one we're going to watch this week, right? Yeah. it's. I mean, I've already seen it. So um, this will be like while I'm watching Guardians, you can watch this. Uh, it's mm-hmm. Falling for Christmas. Okay. It is Netflix. Uh, it, I've talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, Lindsay Lohan and uh, the guy who plays Chad on uh, Acapulco. His name is Cord something. He's from <laughs> Nashville. <laughs> it is is uh, is it in the Netflix movies universe with the castle thing and all that? You, know, you they, told me about this. They do um, turn on Netflix and see a castle for Christmas there in okay. the menu. Uh, that's as far as the the references go. I did not see okay. Rose McIver or. Um, Anybody from Chris, Chris, uh, Christmas Prince show up. Christmas Prince. Yeah, that, that's what I was looking at. Okay, so Disenchanted, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, and Falling for Christmas. That's a little dip, but this, bit different, but, uh, we're, you know, it's great. we got to watch the seems good holiday thing coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. We're also going to start watching Willow. Uh, whether we talk about that next week or not is to be determined, but I know Dennis and I both talked about watching Willow, and it launches. Uh, today actually this is uh, november 30th when we're recording this one so i am a lifelong willow movie lover from i was a kid so you know yeah, you can yeah. say whether it's good or bad that's fair i actually just loved it so i'm i'm i shouldn't be but i'm a little happy to see this whatever they're going to do with this one granted mm-hmm. i do also know that the second book written by chris, chris claremont and george lucas which sounds wonderful was terrible it was it was it was the worst book one of the worst books I've ever read. Um, yes. So you know who, who knows. Uh, okay, we're gonna wrap up today with um, 
Black, Black Panther. We got ten. We can we can scrunch this in in five minutes. Okay, minutes. we gotta we get okay. If we're gonna do that, we gotta keep it just to Black Panther and not no no Marvel the, no the, MCU the, the whole no. the whole world of of Phase Four. Although yeah. this that's easy. I think we can do this one. Let me let me start out by saying uh, some people said that this was uh, the best Marvel, second only to the original Black Panther, which I. Wait, wait. I, Are you I just, just saying best Marvel? This movie? That's yes, it. MCU? yes. MCU, MCU film. Which, Those people are crazy. But yeah, whatever. they're up. <laughs> they're up in the night. Um, I just in the in the films of Phase Four. Now I know I said we're not going to expand the scope. Just in the <laughs> scope. Just in the scope of films in Phase Four. Um, both Shang Chi and Spider Man No Way Home, which is kind of doesn't really count um are definitely better than this movie uh, this movie is yes. better than yes. it's better than multiverse of madness or the thor. other one thor love and thunder mm-hmm. yes and and maybe maybe equal with black widow man uh, you, yeah. i think you just did it that's it that's all we gotta say about that's all we gotta <laughs> say about like this movie that, and everything that's all we gotta say um <laughs> i think that's all accurate i i this i put this that has been right out long enough anyway. I'm I'm not going to worry about spoilers because we're not going to do post spoilers. If you, that you know, after this I'm going to do the credits. So if you don't, if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to get spoiled on what happens, you can just be done and, and <laughs> just join be, us. Just be done. Jo- join us again next week. Yeah. Um, like, boy, there are a, somebody. I think Critical Drinker or somebody on YouTube like gave this a more sincere. Like he's a guy who you know his whole channel subsists on hyperbole, but um. This clearly was a story that was supposed to have T'Challa, was supposed to have yeah, Chad Chadwick Boseman. And, you know, R.I.P. Rest in peace, right? It's it's very sad. But this, what they did instead with the story without him was just a mess. It was all over the place. I don't know of too many people who, you know, nothing against... Um, the actress whose name I'm not going to think of off the top Sir, of my head. Suri. Shuri. Um, yeah. is not, is not a convincing Black Panther. Black Panther wow. is a physical, a physically imposing villain. And she is a mental character, right? She's wise. She, she's not just she's, mental. She's, she's happy go lucky. Right. right. She's, yeah. she's, she's cheerful. She's upbeat. She's guy in the chair. She's Q from 007. Like she is just not that kind of person. That, that's and what makes her great. I think. That that's what makes her great as a character, and there are other characters in this world. I think um, um, the the guard girl whose name I'm not going to remember, and if I did, I wouldn't pronounce it right. Yeah, probably the, the, the general um, of the the general. Yeah, right. The general the, the, or, 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 Maj, the general, yeah. or even um, um, oh, what's the guy? The, the oh yeah, guy. um, it starts with M. M. M- um, M- 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 no, he's Whatever. the he's the head of the Mumbari tribe. That's right, Mumbari. Yeah, Mbaku. Uh, Mbaku. That's it. He um, was he was awesome. Him, now, obviously, awesome you'd you'd have to change around this, uh, but they already twisted the story way around to put Shuri in that role. Right. Um, oh, right. I was actually uh, I was actually big getting behind it either being a Koye, which was the one you were just talking about, the general, um, or um, Nakia. I really wanted Nakia to, to get it. Mm. Um, which was um, uh, Chichala's 
girlfriend, T'Challa's girlfriend, who yeah. who is playing a kind of like uh like a badass kind of character in this. Yeah, she would have been great as a panther yeah. in her own way. That is a is a kind of cat panther like character i feel so, they picked leticia right because she was popular and that makes that right. i didn't like that choice it right. like she was popular as her character i don't know as if she's her popular as this as this new character and yeah. then you've got uh namor the villain which has all kinds of problems right it's like you're doing you're doing wakanda again except they're underwater instead of instead of at the top and then his his powers are are very inconsistent like when he can do what and like what the scope of the city is and it's you know i had kind of a i was a little too close to the screen in the theater so a lot of my initial reaction was like well maybe i was just sitting at a bad angle and couldn't appreciate the visual spectacle but then the more people talked about it and i watched other videos and thought back on the scenes i was like yeah no i don't i don't think it was that i think a lot of it just wasn't very good like he can he he slips in on it and now it's his thread and his plan didn't make any sense like the government had this the u.s government had this uh, uh vibranium detection machine so he's gonna try to murder the college student who invented it like well what yeah. if what if the government still has the plans right yeah, what yeah, if right. what if she yeah. explained it to any of the scientists who were using it like or or engineers who built it she didn't and then built it all right <laughs> And then, and then, just in case you're not sure who the bad guy is, like he's gonna destroy the surface world, and you're like, okay, fine, you know, whatever, you know, kind of, yeah. uh, uh, you know, clear, clearly, clearly defined villain, like who the villain is, yeah. Um, and then, and then interspersed with a lot of uh, of Elaine and Bilbo scenes that could have just been completely cut. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I I agree with with all that a lot. I, one thing I want to add to it is that. Someone's screaming at the at the their their podcast <laughs> catcher at me as for not saying this is that um, the you said earlier that the specter of Chadwick Boseman is here in so many words um, and and that is that 100%. I think that's a detriment to the show you can't disrespect I mean Chadwick Boseman in any way because he was an incredible human being a phenomenal actor and seriously was going to be the Steve Rogers, in my opinion, of the next generation of this world. Yeah, and I also sure. believe that he is one of the reasons why phase four and going forward is so confusing is that we don't have a clear cut leader that we had before. And Bozeman was the one that like, okay, now the future is better because T'Challa and this character and this actor is going to take us there. Um, and we don't have that anymore. So, so we have to recognize that the cast felt that way of this particular movie and i don't mean just the cast i'm talking about the director cinematography the the grips everyone probably in the whole thing felt mm -hmm. that that way times a hundred thousand probably so making this movie was made with that as their central core grief like that's what i want to kind of us to say here and recognize is that this is a movie about grief and when we say that leticia wright with shuri wasn't the the pick People are going to scream and say, well, that's because it was, you know, yes, she's not funny because she's going through grief. And this movie's about grief and how you go through it. And we're all going to heal from Chadwick's passing. And I get that. I understand that. But I'm here to watch this show as a, an entertaining piece of thing and make some sense out of it. I appreciate several of the scenes from Angela Bassett and a lot of the other characters who are, you know, mourning the loss of T'Challa and that 
theme, but everything else has to work too. You can't just run on that and be your only, your only thing. Um, they brought Michael B. Jordan back as Killmonger in a, in a scene, which was phenomenal. As soon as he was on mm-hmm. that scene, it makes everything elevated better. He was just so good as Killmonger. And he had that mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. kind of scene. I thought he was really great as, as that. Um, but as soon as he came back, it almost made me feel like, oh, the, this movie isn't where that one was. Like yeah. right away, he reminded me of how good the first one was. Mm. Um, and so, yes, uh, I'm a comic book fan. So seeing Namor is kind of a big thing. I thought they did an okay job with translating Namor from comics to, to hear that. To screen, he, sure. Yeah, he still had the spirit of Namor being like, a little i mean he should have been even more arrogant but like good but bad guy kind of mixed thing uh sure. but you're right it was still of a mess all the way that they did that one stuff mm-hmm. um I, I had i took issue with the scale of it and scope felt really off to me and that they attacked one city in wakanda and i wasn't aware that wakanda the country of wakanda was just one city one um, city state yeah which, which seems like that's what they're they're doing because which it didn't feel that way before but i don't know because they, they took off to M'Baku's area, and they, what, they transported an entire city of people? I just didn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they went to war in Endgame, um, the um, Wakanda is Wakandans. like the army of the, the MCU, army. right? My, the, my, my only explanation for that is that maybe they lost enough troops in Endgame that they they just they and only then, have course, like thirty a, left. That's it. A lot of a lot of them drown, and then they take that ship from uh, who who somebody pointed that out on our Discord from. <laughs> I don't know what from that ship was? Le- League of, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yeah, um, there was a weird weird Wakandan boat and, that they had, and and all like the whole final. You know what it is? Between... It's a boat that's got a stage on top so they can film a battle. Yeah, yeah, and they do all this the climb, and then they're gonna they're gonna blast it, and she does the fight in the desert, and then is perfectly fine after getting run through with a harpoon. Um, just, just, yeah, a lot of yeah. just really implausible. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so yeah, wrap, wrapping that up, I don't want to feel it. Cause I think you're all of this at the beginning when you said, well, you placed it with all the things should speak a lot of words. It's better than Thor and madness. Thor was probably at the bottom. Madness wasn't terrible or bad. It was just okay. Um, mm. And could have been – it suffered from what's that – we always say that that lack of potential. They had great such potential and then didn't lead up to it. So it sure, wasn't bad. Sure. And putting it above that should say that the movie's not bad. We're not calling it a bad movie or anything. It's it's a fine movie. It's just not, you know, uh, leaps and bounds. I feel that this is Black Panther 1.5 and mm. we'll, we'll get a Black Panther 2 when the next one comes out. Um, I was heartened – and here's spoilers if you're still here – uh, by the extra credit scene that they actually are bringing back T'Challa. Now, not T'Challa, T'Challa, but they gave, he has a son named T'Challa. And mm-hmm. I thought that was a wonderful way to respect what the actor did in that role as, as separating it as a different person, but continuing with the character of T'Challa, kind of like saying having another Peter Parker if Peter Parker died. Right? Right. If, and you have a, another guy named Peter Parker that's, you know, so I thought that was nice. And in the future, we hope to see a T'Challa in the Black Panther role, which makes me again feel that like Shuri is only a temporary holder of this mantle, which made me that bit there made me feel like, OK, I'm 
I'm fine with the populist thing getting the vote for now. But sure, sure. it doesn't excite me as a leader going forward that Shuri is going to be the one. And not only mention, not only that, Shuri, it ruins Shuri. Shuri was so great. And she was funny and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And she talks about the sneakers and what are those? You know, uh, mm-hmm. I want more of that. Not <laughs> like serious, noble leader person who is leading their country. That's that's the child's role. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's different. My only my only one last note on your thing you said about you know the potential of the t'challa character in phase four and moving forward i have high hopes for simu liu and uh shang chi oh yeah yeah for for sure oh can i add one last thing i mean Uh, his his story was standalone but we we said that in multiverse madness and uh you know yeah he's a strong actor is a good character the whole like the whole movie was great yeah you know i I want to watch more balance thing is is something is something different something you know something new in the MCU where you know the movies get uh get ragged on for being uh kind of yeah. the same um no i i love i love shang-chi and i want shang-chi to like sooner than later um i the last yeah. one thing i did want to say about this i it, and we should say it is that i felt this movie su- you can disagree with me fine yell at your podcast all you want your stereo <laughs> uh they this movie shoehorned in things it didn't need to it put Okoyo's, what did you call it? Ponyo character. This is, I give you credit. Ponyo character oh, suit her, outfit. Her, her, her Ponyo suit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that, that was like ham fisted shoved in there because of comics. And it, it did not fit the character. Did not fit. They're just trying to make this character spinoff thing. It, it felt totally not in place. The other one, and I'm going to say it, I'll say it out loud. Here it is. Riri Williams did not need to be in here. Like you could have taken her out of this and it didn't matter. Just make I it mean, some. They- they had to bring Samus in somehow so they can do yeah. their Capcom uh, cross. I don't know if it's Capcom. Yeah. Or it's not my own joke. Uh, yes, well, they're going to do the, the Disney Plus show, right? They want to introduce her to Iron, give her credit. Ironheart? Ironheart, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and again, I'll say, I don't think the actress is that great. She's just fine. She wasn't exciting, fun, funny, mm-hmm. warrior, smart. She wasn't any of the things that that I mean, she was just fine. Um, right. and, and yes, the other part that they shoehorn in is the, the Thunderbolts thing like the, and with, uh, Valeria Fontaine, whatever the Elaine character is, you know, mm-hmm. like none of that. You could have taken them out of this movie. It wouldn't have mattered. You could have taken Okoyo's suit out of this. It wouldn't have mattered. You could have taken out Riri Williams and it wouldn't matter. They were just adding these things in for other stuff that did not serve this story. Did not serve the characters in any way, um, and the, it was hundred percent obvious. And I was like, ah, "This is dumb." Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think dumb. we're we're not in phase one or two where you have to introduce new characters as like secondary characters in movies, right? We yeah. we have streaming series for that now. Yeah, well, you know what? They could have they could have introduced Riri just fine without her suit, right? I would have been actually mm. fine if she would have been like the smart person that figured out the vibranium detection and she's kind of along in the area, maybe they have her in a couple scenes, and then they do the whole series where she makes her iron heart suit. Right? Yeah. Here they the, just like boom, she's got Iron Man's it's powers. Weird and she, she's got an Iron Man suit out of nowhere. It's, yeah. It's I mean, it makes Tony's whole thing like nothing because she just made it mm-hmm. in like you know a year or so but right yeah. right anyway so yeah i i i give it a i don't know what are you, a scale of one to ten six six, six. and a half seven yeah six, maybe six, m- maybe six and a half for me 
Yeah. That's about, yeah. about right. Okay, cool. We went over, but I, I think we're okay with that one. That's, All right, that's good, good times for next week. We're going to watch several movies this week. We're going to watch some, watch some Christmas stuff. Well, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 273. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out. Our buddy Fox is doing reviews on board games and things over there. Yeah. Uh, if you would like to reach out to us and tell us why uh, Wakanda Forever, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the best movie in Phase 4 and indeed all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, I, I welcome talks about this one. <laughs> Michael Daniels at... <laughs> there no. You go. Uh, <laughs> the, our email address is frontporchpod at gmail.com or you can go to our website frontporchpodcast.com and use contact forms there to reach out to us. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a review, we always appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. 